بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد my dear brothers and sisters السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته welcome to class number three of الشمائل المحمدية where in today's class we will be discussing the blessed hair of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, today is a, a, a very unique day, and I want to start off by two as people are, are coming in, inshallah. Number one, by talking about the George Floyd case that happened in the United States. Alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah. The individual that killed him was convicted on murder charges. And inshallah, this is uh, a turning point, hopefully, ta'ala for social justice in the United States and in, in North America in general, for our African-American uh, brothers um, in being treated equally and fairly, right? That's what they've wanted for the, for the whole time. Now, while that is a happy moment and uh, a moment to celebrate, it is also a sad moment in terms of Canadian history, where again, Bill 20, C-21 in Quebec um, was shot down. And it and unfortunately still continues to discriminate against mm -hmm. our sisters that cannot wear hijabs in school uh, and in hospitals as employees. So if they wanted to be employed there, they have to choose either between their faith or between their employment. And it's a, a very unfortunate reality that again, you know, here we are in um, 2021 and there's still such openly bigoted religious discrimination, particularly in Canada. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rectify our affairs and uh, grant ease to those people in Quebec that are struggling so hard uh, for equality. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant it to them. Now, alhamdulillah, people have started trickling in, so that's great. We're gonna jump into the hadith, and we have quite a bit to cover uh, in terms of fiqh-wise. So there's quite a little bit of fiqh that we'll be covering today, bithinillahi ta'ala. So let us begin with that. So again, we're on chapter number three, what has been narrated concerning the blessed hair of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. For those of you that are following along in the book, it's hadith number 24. Or if you don't have the book, just a reminder, you can go to sunnah.com and look up Shema'il Muhammadiyah and look up chapter number three and you can take, and take it from there. So hadith number one, the blessed hair of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam reached the middle of his ears. Hadith number two, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and I would bathe from a single container. His blessed hair was above his shoulders, yet, re yet reached past his earlobes. So starting off with these two first hadith, we find in these hadith that the Prophet ﷺ had different lengths of hair. Length number one was to his earlobes, length number two was below his earlobes, and length number three was till his shoulders. And this shows us the permissibility for men uh, to have different lengths of hair. In terms of the Prophet ﷺ shaving his head, to the best of my knowledge, it was only documented three times that the Prophet ﷺ shaved his head. And that is when he would go for Umrah, uh, or for Hajj. That is what has been documented. It is also documented that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made Umrah four times in his life. So that's just a point of benefit for all of you that are there. So other than that, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would grow his hair and would let his hair grow. So the principle that we want to establish uh, in this chapter is that it is permissible to have any style of hair and any length of hair unless there is a specific text that prohibits it or a general principle that prohibits it. So a specific text would be something like the Prophet ﷺ forbade uh, al-qaza, which is the shaving of part of your head and growing part of the hair. 
This is a specific text in terms of prohibition. A general principle would be something like the Prophet saying that a man should not imitate a woman and a woman should not imitate a man. Uh, or the Prophet saying to be different from the disbelievers. So these are general principles and guidelines that one can extract. So the general ruling is you are allowed any length of hair and any style of hair as long as there is no specific text or a general principle prohibiting it. So that is what we learn from the different lengths of hair of the Prophet From hadith number two, we learn that Aisha radiallahu anha, she would bathe with the Prophet And there's two points uh, that can be extracted over here. Number one is the permissibility of a husband and wife bathing together. And then number two is the impact of wudu upon water. That obviously there's not free flowing water during the time of the Prophet And they would use, use a, a bucket or a canister of water. And often it was presumed that if a woman made wudu, then thereafter a man would not be allowed to make wudu from that water. Yet here we see the Prophet continuing to bathe with Aisha radiallahu anha and showing that even the remnants of uh, wudu uh, of the woman does not uh, impurify it. It does not impurify it, contrary to common belief. So this shows us those two things uh, from fiqh in that hadith. Hadith number three, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was of medium stature. His blessed shoulders were broad. Most of his blessed hair would reach his earlobes. Hadith number four, I asked Anas anhu, how was the blessed hair of the Messenger of Allah وسلم? He replied, it was neither extremely curly nor straight. His blessed hair would reach his earlobes. Hadith number five, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, once entered Mecca while wearing four braids. Uh, and this incident in particular, this is pertaining to the Fath of Mecca, and this is something that we discussed in previous classes, that when the Prophet ﷺ entered into Mecca, he had four braids or three braids in some narrations, and Allah knows best, the majority seems that it was four braids. And this shows us the permissibility of men not only having long hair, but also having braids, also having braids. Now you'll find various scholars comment on this by saying, that if it is the customs of the people, it is permissible to do. However, if it's not from the customs of the people, then it shouldn't be done. And this is a, a respectable position, where if this will make a person and an individual stick out in his society, then this is not something that should be embraced. However, if it is uh, not something that will make them stick out and, and uh, be singled out, then it is something permissible to do and it's something that is not discouraged. Again, I want to highlight the point particularly on how we treat people when they enter into the masjid. You know, we've seen from experience several times brothers coming to the masjid with long hair, with dreadlocks, with anything of that nature. And just due to the fact that it being nature, uh, being different, uh, uncles in the masjid have turned them away and pushed them away. And this is why it's so important to increase in knowledge so that we increase in mercy in the way that we interact with uh, one another. So if an individual comes to the masjid and they are dressed differently and perhaps they do have a different hairstyle, as long as it's not haram, you shouldn't really be advising them. You shouldn't really be advising them. And then number two, even if it is something haram, are you really the best person to advise them? In the sense that perhaps it's someone from the board of trustees or directors or the imam of the masjid that should be speaking to them and they can do it in a more approachable way, in a more gentle and kind way and hopefully not push them away from the masjid. Because the greater goal is to keep people in the masjid and closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rather than pushing them away. So this is why gaining knowledge of these sort of things is so important. 
we learn from this hadith that having of bra uh, having braids is not something which is exclusive to women, nor is it considered feminine uh, in Islam. Yes, styles change over time, but it is not something that was originally considered feminine, and that is why the Prophet ﷺ did so when he entered into Mecca. When he entered into Mecca, and this again further establishes the point that different styles are allowed as long as it is not prohibited either by specific text or a general principle. The next hadith, the blessed hair of the Prophet ﷺ would reach the middle of his ears. The hadith after that, the Messenger of Allah ﷺ would let his blessed hair fall freely. The idol worshippers used to part their hair and the people of the book would let their hair fall. He ﷺ preferred to accord with the practices of the people of the scripture so long as he was not given a specific command regarding this matter. Thereafter, the Messenger of Allah ﷺ began to part his blessed hair. So we established previously that the Prophet ﷺ used to oil his hair so much so that you could see it glistening and you could see it shining. And that the Prophet ﷺ would part his hair in the middle. He would part his hair in the middle. And this is what the Prophet ﷺ was seen doing most of the time in Medina. However, when the Prophet ﷺ first arrived into Medina, the Prophet ﷺ embraced the hairstyles of the Ahlul Kitab, of the people of the book. And that is why he didn't part his hair in the middle, but rather used to let it flow freely. He used to let it flow freely, and he would not part it in the middle. Thereafter, he started to part it in the middle. But this hadith teaches us some very important principles, that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, uh, used to be different from the idol worshippers and wanted to be more like the Ahlul Kitab. Why is that so? That as we know in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given a more elevated status to the people of the book from the Jews and the Christians just due to the fact that they are people of the book. So much so that their meat is halal, so much so that there are concessions with regarding to marriage uh, and things of that nature. So these are special uh, concessions that have been made for the people of the book. And the Prophet ﷺ did his utmost best to build relationships with them in hopes of the very least of inviting them to Islam. And if that didn't work, you know, building allies for the Muslim community, building allies for the Muslim community. So initially, the Prophet ﷺ used to let his hair flow freely in Medina because that is what the people of the book used to do in Medina. Uh, whereas the idol worshippers from the Quraysh, they used to part their hair in the middle. Yet, as time went on and the Prophet ﷺ saw that it was not an effective da'wah technique to bring them closer to Islam or to build allyship with them, the Prophet ﷺ went back to what was natural for him, which was parting his hair in the middle, which is what the people of Mecca uh, and the Quraysh used to do. So this shows us that the Prophet ﷺ is allowing us to be um, like the people of the, of, of the lands that we are in, as long as there's no specific um, prohibition in, in, in that. So in terms of the way that we dress, in terms of the way that we act, in terms of the way that we you know, style our hair, all of it is permissible up and until there's a proven text, until there's a proven text. And this is what the hadith mentions, that the Prophet wasallam used to prefer to accord with the practices of the people of the scripture as long as he was not given a specific command regarding the matter. So some of the scholars have said that this was general throughout the time that you are allowed to be like the people of the book or the people of the lands that you're in uh, until something specific is mentioned 
or some of the scholars have said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had not yet revealed uh, the importance of differentiating oneself from uh, the non-Muslim community and basically creating a Muslim identity uh, for yourself. So let's read the last hadith and then we can discuss some uh, more points with regarding to hair and style. The last hadith is, I saw the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam with four plates. Um, and this is when your hair is plated, very similar to uh, it being braided. So this shows us again the permissibility. So now let's talk about what is permissible and what is not permissible. So first let's talk about dyeing one's hair. Is dyeing one's hair permissible? And the answer to that is yes. The general ruling is dyeing one's hair is permissible with two things that need to be kept in mind. Number one is that the intention behind it shouldn't be to deceive people. So for example, if you naturally have black hair and you're looking to get married or you're looking for a job and you dye your hair black to make yourself look long, uh, younger to deceive people, then this is something that is definitely not allowed. This is something that is definitely not allowed. However, if the intention is not deception, then you are allowed to have pretty much any color that you desire. For women, the scholars have allowed even black. For men, the scholars said that having black is something makruh, is disliked, and thus it is better to stay away from, even if the intention is not to deceive. Now, how about different colors like pink and purple uh, and blue? You know, for those of you that uh, watch MasterChef Canada, they have that uh, chef, I, I can't remember his name right now, subhanAllah, but he always has blue hair. And for me, you know, it seems like a cool concept. Would I do it myself? No, I wouldn't. But it seems like a cool concept. So where does Islam stand on that? So again, the general ruling is things are permissible until proven to be otherwise. So can we find a specific text that would prohibit the usage of the color blue? No, you can't. But what can you find that would perhaps um, make it disliked at the very least, which is to say that one would stick out. So for example, you go out into public uh, with that colored hair, if it draws attention of people to you, then that is not something that is encouraged in Islam. We don't encourage that sort of uh, attention-seeking or attention-grabbing in Islam. And therefore, uh, depending on which society you're in and depending where you are in the world, it could be considered disliked. It could be considered disliked to have those colors. Now, let's talk about hairstyles. So, what is prohibited in Islam is number one, al-qaza'ah is what the Prophet ﷺ said, is the shaving of part of one's hair uh, and letting the other parts grow. The closest example that I can give is if you've seen the hairstyles of like the Shaolin monks, or if you've seen like Jet Li movies, where they shave part of their head and they let part of their hair grow. So generally they'll shave their whole entire hair and then they'll have like uh, a braid that grows from the back. This is what the Prophet ﷺ was prohibiting uh, against. Now, the reasoning behind that prohibition, there have been many scholars that have commented on this. It could be uh, because the Prophet ﷺ wants us to be different from the disbelievers and the disbelievers had that specific hairstyle. Um, it could be, you know, that the Prophet ﷺ wanted us to be different from even people that uh, were considered sinful and, and heretic at that time. So they looked at various reasons of that. So that is something that one should not do, where one has completely shaved uh, on one part of the head and then grows uh, on the other part of the head. The Prophet ﷺ told the young man that either grow all of your hair or shave all of your hair, but do not combine between the two. So that is the first thing that is prohibited is al-qaza. Al 
Number two is uh, masculine hairstyles for women and feminine hairstyles for men. And this is something that's going to differ from society to society and from place to place. But if there is a particular hairstyle that usually men get, then women should not be getting that hairstyle. And if there's a particular hairstyle that women get, then men should not be getting that hairstyle. Men should not be getting that hairstyle. That is number two. Number three is in terms of the disbelievers. And that is if the disbelievers have a particular hairstyle in your country, in your area, in your land, then it is best to stay away from that. But from now, from what I've seen for the most part of the world, there isn't that particular hairstyle that is specific to a particular religion, to the best of my knowledge. And that no longer really seems to exist. That no longer really seems to exist. So any other hairstyle besides that is allowed. Now, people often ask, you know, what is the Islamic ruling on getting a fade? And a fade, for those of you that don't know, it's gradual or different levels of length of the hair. And that is something that is not mentioned in the prohibition of the Prophet ﷺ, and it should not be conflated or mixed or confused with Al-Qaza, which is the shaving uh, of one part and growing on the other part. Having a fade, and Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala knows best, is something that is fine. That uh, if it's gradually different lengths of hair, that is not a problem at all. But you shouldn't have it at absolute zero and then having um, you know, hair on different parts. Uh, of, uh, having hair, longer hair on different parts. If it's a gradual progression, then that is something that is fine. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So we've discussed dyeing one's hair. We've discussed the different styles of one's hair. Now let's discuss the covering of the hair. The covering of the hair. The Prophet was seen for the massive majority of his life covering his hair, either with a turban or a thaqiyah. A thaqiyah is very similar to a hat that I'm wearing. It, uh, it is just a, a hat. Now, is there a religious significance behind this? The answer is no, in the sense that there is no extra reward <clears throat> If a person covers their head, uh, if a man covers his head with a turban or a hat, however, if a person chooses to be more like the Prophet, <clears throat> please excuse me. If a choosing, uh, if a person chooses to be more like the Prophet wasallam, then this is something that is encouraged. Also, they considered it a sign of modesty to cover one's head for men as well. So much so that when the Prophet wasallam was intimate, there are narrations that would say that he would even have his head covered at that time due to his modesty and shyness, and that was considered a sign of modesty and shyness at the Prophet ﷺ, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, which may not necessarily exist in our day and age. Now, people go to extremes in this, where they say that if a person doesn't cover their head in Salah, uh, then their Salah is deficient and there's not as much reward. Those hadith are fabricated and are not true. However, we do have a scholarly tradition that scholars of Islam and students of knowledge are encouraged to cover their hair as a part of this tradition of scholarship, not necessarily out of being rewarded within of itself, but out of the tradition of scholarship and the modesty and shyness that the Prophet ﷺ used to have. So that is the ruling for men. For women, as we know, hijab is something that is mandatory when they are in the presence of uh, non-mahram men. If women are in the presence of non-mahram men, then the wearing of hijab and the covering uh, of one's body is something mandatory. Uh, and there's no disagreement uh, amongst the scholars, to the best of my knowledge, on that issue. So now, we're going to move on to the next section of a hadith, 
which is chapter number four, what has been narrated concerning the combing of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Aisha radiallahu anha narrates, I would comb the blessed hair <clears throat> of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam even while in the state of menstruation. So from this, we learn the permissibility of combing uh, another individual's hair. So a parent can do it for their child, a husband for their wife, wife for their husband, and there is, there is no issue with that. In fact, it is considered a sign of love and a sign of affection for the other individual when you do this for them. Number two, we learn uh, about how in other faiths, uh, a menstruating woman cannot touch a man. But in Islam, a menstruating woman is allowed to touch her husband. And in fact, the Prophet ﷺ would be intimate with Aisha radiallahu anha uh, as long as it was not in the menstruating area. And this shows us that uh, it is not a woman's body that becomes impure, but it is only the blood that is impure. It is only the blood that is impure. And touching one another during uh, when a woman is in a state of menstruation is something that is allowed, is something that is allowed. Number two, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu wasallam would frequently apply oil to his blessed head and comb his blessed beard. He would often use a kina' cloth, which would eventually look like the cloth of an oil harvester. So we have a couple of points that we grab from this hadith. Number one, the Prophet sallallahu wasallam would allow others to comb his hair, but he would only comb and brush his beard himself. He wouldn't allow anyone to touch his uh, beard uh, and he would allow others to touch his hair. And that was perfectly uh, normal what the Prophet ﷺ used to do as we see in the previous hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. So hair, he used to allow others to brush and comb. The beard, he would always do himself. Number two, we see that the Prophet ﷺ would use oil on his hair and his beard. And this is something that we used to see from the Prophet ﷺ so much so that if he was not having his head covered, his hair would shine. And this shows us the encouragement of looking after one's hair. And this is due to the fact that using certain types of oil can be uh, healthy for the hair. So in our day and age, things like argan oil, uh, olive oil, coconut oil, these sort of things will promote a more healthier hair uh, that will be more luscious uh, and inshallah will, will grow by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those are oils that are permitted and in fact are encouraged uh, that one should use to look after their hair and their beard. And the Prophet wasallam used to wear a kina cloth. Why would the Prophet wasallam wear this kina cloth? So you can imagine if you have oiled hair, that oil sometimes may leave a stain uh, on, on clothing. So the Prophet wasallam used to put a cloth on his hair to put it between his head and the turban or his hat that he was wearing so that the oil stains would not get on the hair uh, oh, sorry, would not get on the turban or the hat of the Prophet And he said that so much oil used to be applied that that cloth that the Prophet had as an extra layer would look like the cloth of an oil harvester, would look like the cloth of an oil harvester. So that is why the Prophet had that cloth. The next hadith, the Messenger of Allah used to like to start from the right side in purification when purifying, in combing, when combing, and in his wearing his sandals when he was putting them on. And this is the general ruling that you, in all good things, pure and good, you should always start with the right side. You should always start with the right side. So you'll notice when you shake hands with someone, you shake hands with the right side, with the right hand. 
when you make wudu, you start with the washing of the right hand. When you make ghusl, you start uh, washing with the, the right side. The exception to this rule is when you're cleansing yourself from urine uh, or from defecation, then at that time it is the left hand that should be used. At that time it is the left hand that should be used for urine and for defecation, for cleansing. It should be, the left hand should be used. But in all other matters, it is the right hand that should be used. So you drink with the right hand, you eat with the right hand, uh, you begin combing your hair with the right side. And this was the sunnah of the Prophet And this general ruling should apply in all matters uh, up and until one is not able to do so. Imam Bukhari, rahimahullah, he, when he quotes the hadith, he says that as long as one is able to, then they should do so. So for example, if your right hand is, is busy or preoccupied with something or is not clean, then perhaps at that time an exception could be made. Or for one, uh, if one is disabled, then an exception can be made clearly and obviously. But in all other instances, we should try to use our right hand for all good things uh, that are good and pure, like eating, drinking, combing one's hair, wudu, uh, etc. So that is the general rule. And there's also a prohibition from eating and drinking with the left hand because the Prophet says that that is what shaitan does. That is what shaitan does. Now we move on to hadith number 35, which is the Messenger of Allah وسلم, uh, forbade combing hair except every other day. Forbade combing hair except for other, every other day. And this prohibition is particularly to styling one's hair where the Prophet ﷺ is saying that one should not spend excessive time styling their hair. So the Prophet ﷺ prohibited, uh, some scholars said, the men only, that men should not be styling their hair every single day, uh, whereas a woman is allowed to do so, where a woman is allowed to do so. Others said that no, this uh, prohibition is across the board where men and women are prohibited from styling their hair every other day and at most should be done every second day. Now let's look at the, the ruling and wisdom behind this. As you know, styling your hair can take uh, a lot of time. So the Prophet ﷺ is prohibiting the wastage of time in these matters, prohibiting the wastage of time in these matters. This is not to say that you should look disheveled. This is not to say that you shouldn't look good. But in terms of styling your hair where it takes prolonged periods of time, then this is not something that should be done uh, excessively. And the Prophet ﷺ promoted moderation. As we see from the very next hadith, the Prophet ﷺ would comb his blessed hair occasionally, meaning that yes, the Prophet ﷺ would style his hair and take uh, care of his hair um, and look after it, but not to the degree where time is wasted, not to the degree where time is wasted. And this also ties into the culture where a person should not obsess over their looks. Yes, you aim to look good. Yes, you aim to look presentable, but you shouldn't obsess over your looks so much so that you waste hours upon hours of time just making yourself uh, look more presentable. Whereas if you had just spent a few minutes, you could have reached uh, an uh, acceptable level, but to take it above and beyond, um, this is something that should be refrained from, particularly uh, if it's on a daily basis, particularly if it's on a daily basis. So let's summarize this section. This section is about how the Prophet ﷺ used to look after his hair. And what we learn from this and other hadith is that the Prophet ﷺ says that whoever has been blessed with hair, 
let them look after it. Let them look after it. So even looking after your hair is a responsibility. Number two, that the Prophet ﷺ used oil to promote healthy hair. And this is not something that is exclusive, but you are allowed using other products that will promote the health of your hair. The Prophet ﷺ himself used to use uh, olive oil from what we know. Uh, in this day and age, now they're saying that argan oil is, is probably just as good, if not better. So you are allowed using oil and other hair products to promote healthy hair. Number three, we see that the Prophet ﷺ would allow others to brush his hair and to comb his hair and he would do it himself. But when it came to his beard, then this is something that he would take care of himself. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we do not have any narrations that would allow others to uh, comb or brush his beard. And then we also learn that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam looked after his turban and his uh, taqiyah by not letting oil stains getting on, get on them by wearing a separate cloth that would cover his hair uh, so that it wouldn't uh, affect his turban or his head. We also covered in this section the ruling on covering of the, of the head for men where we said, yes, it is a scholarly tradition. Yes, it is a sign of modesty and shyness that the Prophet ﷺ used to embrace, but there is no extra reward within of itself, nor is one's salah better if they have their head covered or not when it comes to men. So those are some of the issues that we have covered. Now, if any of you have any questions, particularly in relation to hair, or any narrations that we've taken, uh, or any of the principles that we even discussed, I can answer your questions and you can ask your questions um, in the area below, inshallah. So if anyone has any questions, you can ask your questions, inshallah. And hopefully the questions show up this time. I'm hoping the questions show up this time. Okay. Hmm. It seems that I can see people entering, but I cannot see people's questions as of right now. And I don't know why this keeps changing, subhanAllah. You know, some sessions, it, it, it seems that uh, the questions and the salams show up, but now in this session, it seems that they didn't. Allahul Musta'an. Let's see if there's something that I can do. No, that's going into filters. We don't want to put on any filters. Um... Anything else that we can do? No, yeah, unfortunately it seems that I can't see your comments or questions. Uh, please forgive me for that. Perhaps it's a setting that I need to turn on before I, I put the session, start the session. But if anyone did post any questions, then inshallah I will log in again uh, to answer those questions specifically. Uh, again, we will have our class tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time uh, where we will continue with what has been narrated concerning the blessed white hair of the Prophet and then we get into uh, what has been narrated concerning the dye the Messenger of Allah وسلم, used to use and what has been mentioned in terms of kohol that the Prophet وسلم, used to use. So those are all things that we will be covering tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time or uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Montreal, Toronto, New York, inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan for attending tonight. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Astaghfiruka wa tubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.